We do trust that you will speak to each one of us today. Lord, we know you have something for us. Uh, We're not just gathered here uh, by accident, simply out of tradition. Um, Trust that you will speak to us, that you will uh, use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so glad to see this church full. The choir doesn't have a place to come back to. They're going to have to stay up there. (laughs) Sorry that you are looking at my backside. Um, I really do hope you get out uh, a lot out of being here today. My prayer is that each of you find yourself in this story. This isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. The Easter story has incredible impact and meaning in our lives today. Okay, I don't uh, follow a lot in the way of social media. Those of you who know me are like, shocker. Um, but I do watch the news occasionally until I get depressed. Um, and try to stay sort of abreast of what's happening in our culture, in our society. In recent months, this movement of women speaking out against uh, discrimination, sexual harassment, Things like that in the workplace has really been highlighted. Uh, the Me Too movement, the uh, Time's Up. Uh, it was mentioned quite a lot during the Oscars, uh, believe it or not, a few weeks ago. Now, I, am, uh, I can't say I usually put it on my calendar when the Oscars is coming up and watch it. I probably would have preferred uh, watching a basketball game. But there are people in my home who do enjoy watching the Oscars. So I said, you know, um, why don't I make dinner tonight and you girls watch the Oscar, okay? And what else are you going to have on Oscar night but steak Oscar, right? (laughs) It hit me. Boom. That's what we got to have. Now, to be honest, I had no clue what steak Oscar even was. Uh, I had to look it up. I'd heard the term somewhere. Maybe I saw it on a menu somewhere. But so I had to look it up. Um, and it's just a, you know, a nice steak with some, I think, asparagus. Um, but the best part is it's like hollandaise sauce or something over it. Well, you know, I could find hollandaise sauce in a jar at the store. I, you know, I figured it out. Um, now, um, every once in a while, this is confession time, every once in a while, I find myself um, doing Geico commercials in my head. Do you ever, maybe it's just me, but maybe it says I watch too much TV, I don't know. But seriously, it's like, you know, if they're those catchy one-liners, and they have some of the best commercials anyway, you know, more, and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm getting ready to fix steak Oscar, and I'm like, boom, Geico commercial in my head. Steak Oscar on Oscar night? Surprising. What's not surprising is you could say 50% or more contrast. I'm like, no. <laughs> anyway, that's what got me in front of the TV for the end of Oscar night. So, as my wife Annette and daughter Kate and I enjoyed Steak Oscar in front of the TV, um, and I ended up watching the end of it. Um, Frances McNorman won Best Actress. Um, And she used her acceptance time to uh, sort of bring solidarity to this Me Too movement. Um, I found it interesting. I I found it tastefully done. Uh, 
Um, so that was kind of going through my head as I started thinking about Easter service. That and my wife had just come back from Cambodia. Some of you know that. She'd been in Cambodia the week before doing, uh, helping do a retreat for Christian women workers in Southeast Asia. And most of these women help, um, help other women get out of the human trafficking, sex traffic industry by rescuing them, physically rescuing them, uh, recovery and healing for them, and then retooling and teaching them a new trade. Um, many, many women around the world have been mistreated over the years, certainly. And Annette had the chance to really celebrate these women and encourage them as they work tirelessly to do this. Anyway, this is what's going on in my head. This is what's rolling around with a couple other marbles up there. Uh, as I started working on the Easter service, um, as I read again the resurrection story in the Gospels, I was reminded of the incredible role that women played in the Easter story. Without whom, if we hadn't had them there, we wouldn't have many of the details that we have in Scripture. You know that? Let me show you what I mean. In Matthew chapter 27, we're going to read from there here in just a moment, but um, in chapter 26, Jesus has been arrested. I'm just going to give you the quick context here. Jesus has been arrested. Um, He's been hauled in before Pontius Pilate. He's been whipped and flogged mercilessly. He's then sentenced to death. He's mocked by soldiers. Beaten. Had his beard pulled out. Then finally, he is physically nailed to a cross. His death is then detailed for us. And his last words from the cross. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 27, verse 55, and read a few verses together. Hopefully it'll be up on the screen here in a minute. There we go. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had found himself, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that had been cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. These women were there. They were there when Jesus suffered on the cross, when he drew his last breath, when he was buried. Chapter 28, verse 1, we're going to fast forward just a little bit. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. The details that we have that are recorded in Scripture scripture are largely because these women were there. Where were the men, you might ask? I mean, where were his twelve disciples? They weren't there. Okay, we know that when he is arrested in the garden, they scatter, right? 
we know later on they're in a locked room because they are fearing the Jews might come arrest them. They're not there. These few women are. It was Mary and Mary who had the courage to witness these things. To witness His death. To be present at His burial. And they got up early then on that Sunday morning and go to the tomb. And I think it's because of this. They're, they're the ones who are rewarded with the first to get the news of the resurrection. They're the first to talk to an angel at the tomb. And one of them, Mary Magdalene, is the first to actually see Jesus and talk with Him after He is raised from the dead. We find that in the Gospel of John. This is in a culture and a time when women did not have a voice. When women did not have um, enjoy the same rights as men. Jesus never discriminated. You know that? He never discriminated. Gender, racially, He never discriminated. Some of you, uh, most of you know that in the last uh, little over a month ago, Billy Graham passed away at the age of 99. Um, And you may have caught on uh, several different channels, carried uh, footage of his life and ministry. We enjoyed watching one on Fox two-hour special of his life and ministry. Incredible. Incredible impact. But I didn't know until watching that that Billy Graham refused to do a crusade or one of his big events to a segregated audience. Did you know that? Even in the South, in the 50s and 60s, he would not do a crusade to a segregated audience. And he himself would sometimes go down and remove the ropes that were there to separate the blacks from the whites, and so on. That was fascinating. Why? Because, as he said, that is the heart of God. That is the heart of God. Long before Billy Graham or Martin Luther King spoke about racial equality, and longer still before these movements for gender equality, Jesus was showing that God's love never discriminates. Men and women alike were welcomed by Jesus. People from different races and backgrounds were sought by the Savior. Because God loves us all the same. Right? Each and every single person on this planet is important to God. Verse 2 of chapter 28. There was a violent earthquake For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know who you are looking for. Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of them into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. 
They came to Him, clasped His feet, and worshipped Him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. What a sight that must have been. You know what? To be at the tomb that day. First, it starts with an earthquake. And then you have an angel rolling away a gigantic boulder. And then these big tough armed guards have the you-know-what scared out of them. They're so frightened, they faint. Then that same angel delivers the good news of the resurrection to Mary and Mary. The first to hear and begin to understand the resurrection are these women. Angel then tells them, I know why you're here. You're looking for Jesus, the one that was crucified, and affirms to him what they had seen on Friday night that he had, in fact, died. And you watched him be buried right here. But now come in and look. He's gone. He's not here. He has risen just like he said he would. Jesus foretold this on several occasions. He said, I will raise on the third day. And the Old Testament scriptures prophesied hundreds of years before this that this would happen. And now it has. Now it's come true. It's the first Easter. Aren't you glad the women were there that day? Aren't you glad it wasn't left up to the guys? But it does beg a question, doesn't it? Why were they there? I mean, why were they willing to stay close to Jesus when others didn't? Others wouldn't. What would have motivated them to risk being identified with Him? Which is what the disciples were scared of. When the men fled and they were hiding in a locked room, these women were willing to be there, to be close. Surely they were scared too. They were scared to be arrested. They were scared of the Jews. But they didn't let their fear keep them from being close to Jesus. Why? I think it boils down to the fact that no one had ever treated them the way Jesus had. No one had ever treated women the way that Jesus had. You know that? Women in that culture, as, as in many cultures, didn't have a voice. They didn't have the same rights and opportunities. Oftentimes we're not treated with dignity and respect. The fact that Jesus did was a game changer. You know it? It was an absolute game changer. And to add to that, Mary Magdalene, we're told, in another part of Scripture, is a woman who had seven demons cast out of her. You know that? She was an outcast. She was a complete outcast. And she's the one now that's close to Jesus. Now, I don't know exactly what it looked like for Mary Magdalene to be possessed by seven demons. We're not, we don't have those details in Scripture. But we do know, when you look at other people in Scripture who are possessed by a demon, it ain't pretty. Right? It is not. This was not the, this was not the person you wanted to hang out with. Let's go get a cup of joe and be besties. No. 
You avoided, you avoided her at all costs. You went to the other side of the street if you saw her. Not only does Jesus accept and treat women differently, with equality, with dignity, with respect, but He turns it up a whole notch by accepting someone like Mary Magdalene, who was a complete outcast. You know it? And now she's the first one. She's the first one to begin to understand the resurrection. She's the first one to talk with Jesus and to see Him. I think these women, and especially Mary, were close to Jesus because no one had ever treated them the way He did. Dignity, respect, love. I think because the deepest longings of their hearts were met when they were with Him. You know it? Nowhere else had they ever been shown mercy and grace like they had when they were with Jesus. Folks, if we are really honest with ourselves, isn't that what we're all searching for? Isn't it? Whether you're a man or a woman, don't you want to be treated in that way? I'm assuming you too have the desire to have the deepest longings of your heart satisfied. We want to experience mercy and grace just like Mary did. That is why God sent His Son. That is why Jesus came halfway across this universe so you and I would experience acceptance and love completely, fully. We'd experience a love that never turns away. A love that's always present. A love that doesn't leave us wondering if we've done enough or if I'm good enough. A pastor in Denver where my brother and sister go to church likes to ask his congregation to fill in a blank on this sentence. Because Jesus died and rose again, I don't have to blank anymore. Because Jesus died and rose again, I don't have to blank anymore. How do you fill in the blank? I don't have to worry. I don't have to wonder if I've done enough. I don't have to worry about being rejected. How do you fill it in? Mary, maybe more than any of these, experiences mercy and grace through Jesus that she never had before. I know, mercy and grace are kind of churchy words, right? But mercy is simply not getting what we really deserve. It's a punishment that we don't receive. Grace is getting something we don't deserve. It's a gift that you can't work for, you can't be good enough for. It's given. A few months, uh, I've shared this story before, but it bears worth, worth bears repeating. A few months before I said yes to Jesus, um, I had someone show me this kind of grace and mercy. Um, and it greatly impacted me a few months later because I had a better understanding of what God's grace and mercy looked like. I was 21 years old, living in Anchorage, Alaska. I was uh, working as a parts delivery person uh, for a car dealership in their parts department. I was uh, told when I was hired, the one thing you got to have is a driver's license. 
You drive all over town delivering parts, picking parts up, so on. Well, about two or three months uh, after getting this job, I got a DUI. Um, apparently, driving around Anchorage with bottles of whiskey shooting out neon signs isn't a good thing to do. Um, and I got a DUI. I knew that when my court date would be uh, coming up in a few weeks that I would lose my license. So I needed to go in and tell my boss, you know what, I've screwed up. So I did. I thought at least he'll have a couple weeks to find my replacement. I went into his office and said, uh, you know, I need to thank you for this job. Grateful that you gave me an opportunity. I screwed up and I let you down. Um, and I did the one thing you said I couldn't do. And in two weeks, I'm going to lose my license because uh, I got a DUI last night. Uh, took a second and looked at me and said, Spencer, thank you for telling me. We need somebody at the back counter of our parts department that's going to get all uh, the parts for our mechanics here in this building. It's a promotion, and it comes with a pay raise. I must have looked like a deer in the headlights. I didn't get what I deserved. I was shown mercy. I should have been fired right then. That's what mercy is. I didn't get what I really deserved. And instead, I got a promotion and a pay raise. That's grace. Something I couldn't have worked for was just given to me. You and I need mercy and grace. You know that? We need mercy because we've all sinned. We've all sinned, and what we deserve for our sin is death and separation from God. That's what Scripture tells us. Because God's holy, and sin cannot enter His presence. And we need grace. We need to receive something, a gift, that we can't possibly work for. We don't deserve it. Can't do enough good for it. Gifts like forgiveness. Gifts like eternal life. Gifts like a relationship with God. And yes, having the deepest longings of our hearts satisfied. Blaise Pascal, the famous French scientist, once wrote, inside the heart of every person is a God-shaped vacuum. That there's an emptiness, there's a void in every single one of us. I tried so hard to fill it. I tried. I tried with relationships. I tried with alcohol. I tried pursuing my hobbies, adventure, doing the things I wanted to do. Nothing fit. It's like the proverbial round peg in the square hole, right? Nothing fits. Only God fits. Maybe you're here today, you're exhausted. You're weary. You're tired of trying to fill the emptiness and the void. There's only one thing that fits. It's God. Only God, a relationship with Him will satisfy us. I believe that every person on this planet is on a spiritual journey. You know that? Some know it, some don't know it. But I think every one of us is on a spiritual journey. Where are you on your spiritual journey? 
Where are you at? Another question I have that might help clarify it a bit for you. If you were to stand right now before God and He said, why should I let you in? Why should I let you come into my presence? Why should I let you enter heaven? How would you answer? What would you say to Him? Think about it right now. Formulate an answer in your head. How would you answer it? I have asked that question to over a hundred people, I bet, over the years. You know what the most common answer is? Survey says, because I've been pretty good. Seriously. Because I've been pretty good. Or, I've, I've done more good than bad. Or, something along those lines. Or, I haven't done anything really bad. I haven't done one of the big ones. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't... I asked a young man this uh, just a couple months ago. He's 16 years old, has some serious health issues. He's on a feeding tube, colostomy bag. May not have long for life on this earth. And I asked him that question. He said the same. He said, basically, I've been pretty good. I think I do more good than most people I know. I said, is that your final answer? I said, okay. How do you think God's going to respond to that? What do you think He'll say? He looked at me for a second and said, I don't know. I hope, I, I hope it's enough. I hope I get in. A week before that, a week to the day before I had that conversation with this young man, I had a heart attack. December 1st, 2017, uh, my wife and I, Annette, were coming into Gunnison that evening for the Night of Lights to join many of you, watch the lights get turned on, the Christmas tree come on, meet our daughter, have some dinner. I was having a heart attack on the way to town. My wife set record time from Parlin to Gunnison driving. Um, got me in here to the hospital, great medical care here and in Montrose, got a stent put in, culvert put in the ditch, as I like to say. Things started flowing again. The problem is, for a year before this, I really started eating healthy. It wasn't bacon and ice cream. I really started eating healthy. And I'd been exercising regularly. And... I, I was on this low-dose cholesterol medication. I mean, all those are good things to do, right? Sure they are. But they don't do much to remove 30 years of plaque buildup in my artery, right? It's similar with God. Is it important to do good? Sure it is. Absolutely. It's important to do God good. But doing good things does nothing to remove the sin in our lives. Sin is like the plaque buildup in my artery. It causes a blockage, a barrier between us and God. Everyone sins. It's not a shocker, is it? Everyone sins. We're told that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. See, the standard is God. is perfection. 
We don't get to compare ourselves with each other. If I want to compare myself to somebody, I have to compare myself with Jesus. And he's the only one who lived a sinless life. On December 1st, I needed a stent. Put in my artery, removed the blockage. Jesus is our spiritual stent. Only Jesus dying on the cross takes away sin. It's the only thing that's going to remove your sin. That's why He died. It was to remove the one barrier between you and God. When I received by faith the gift of His forgiveness, several things happen. You begin a relationship with God. That's the first thing. When I asked this young man a couple months ago, when he finally understood that it wasn't up to him, and I shared with him about my heart attack, I said, how would you answer that now? If you were to stand before God right now, how would you answer it? And he said, I I guess I'd say, because Jesus died for my sins. I said, yes. Now do you want to start a relationship with God? He said, yes, I do. I said, let's do this together. Let me show you how. That's the first thing. You start a relationship with God. We become a son or a daughter to God Almighty. He adopts us into His family. When He rose from the dead that day, He showed us that death itself had been conquered. That's why He could guarantee us eternal life. Just a few days earlier, Jesus whispered these words to His disciples. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Me. You got a problem with that? Take it up with Jesus. Those are His words. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Alicia's going to be playing, and as she does, there's going to be a prayer up here on the screen. The words aren't so important. It's the attitude of our hearts. Uh, But this is how you start a relationship with God. This is how you remove the blockage of sin and ask Him to do what only He can do and to give you eternal life. I'm going to ask you to take just a minute. Now, take a minute in silence just between you and God while Alicia plays and then I'll come back and close this in a minute.
If that was your prayer today, would you do me a favor and just tell somebody? Tell somebody else. Hey, I prayed that prayer today. Come up, come up and tell me. I'll be up here after the service for a little while. Come up and tell me. Share that with me. Also, if you, if you want somebody to pray with you, uh, my wife Annette and I will be up here to pray with any of you. Uh, please come forward. Um, thank you all for being here today. Don't forget that uh, next door, right after the service, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt and brunch um, and enjoy some fellowship together.